Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Shooting the Shift podcast. I am Antonio. I'm joined by Jeff and Will, and I have to start off this podcast by apologizing to you guys because I lost the recording last week where we had instantaneous reactions to Jose Alvarado becoming a Philly. I, I just lost the recording, and that's why there was no podcast last week. Wait, way to go. That's on me. I got to be better in the future. Will has officially taken over the Zooms once again. And uh, we're back. We're ready to go. We're going to talk Jose Alvarado this week, as long as, as well as a whole slew of other things happening around the MLB. So, guys, welcome back. Yeah. Uh, you know, some crazy things have, have kind of happened around the league since we've been. Obviously, I mean, we recorded last week, but. Since then, the all right, we're not going to keep harping back all podcasts and I watched the recording. Guys, come on. All right. I mean, the, the plus side is I would be down to exclusively talk Jose Alvarado every podcast. So, <laughs> right. But I think we, we now look at another division rival, and here they go again. These division mm. rivals, except the Philadelphia Phillies, just seem to go out and get these superstars. Now the New York Mets have Francisco Lindor. So I know we were talking, um, we talked about it in, in the, the Lost podcast. That's what, we'll, when we, that's what we'll reference it from here on out, the Lost, the Lost podcast. Um, I think we've talked about it in a lot of other podcasts that the Mets were set up to potentially still sign one big free agent. And I think we kind of precluded a trade for Francisco Lindor because he needs to sign a big contract. So, uh, but they still have money to go and sign. Yeah, obviously they still have money to go sign other people, but they're going to have to sign Lindor to a a huge deal. Yeah, I think I was looking – some of the reports I was seeing was at least $250 million contract. Yeah, that's that's probably around the floor for what Lindor will bring in. I would agree. That's definitely the floor, I'd say. So the Mets are looking at potentially a $300 million contract for their – their new shortstop, um, and that kind of – I Stevie Cohen, yes, he has a lot of money. Again, how he got it through questionable means. But $300 million is still a lot of money to tie up into one player. So I don't know. I think that kind of takes them out of the Trevor Bauer, George Springer sweepstakes at this point. Yeah, I think I would agree with that. I, I think with Springer, you're looking at a lot of money to tie up, and I think the Mets are – are really keen. Obviously, they went out and traded for Lindor, so that's obviously something they were looking to um, to upgrade. But I, I, I'm still intrigued. Obviously, they got Carrasco in the deal. That's another pitching arm that they needed. But it, it'll be interesting to see how the rest of the Mets shape up and what they do with the rest of the free agency coming into the next season. My belief is I don't expect Francisco Lindor's likely new salary – or next salary, to stop the Mets from wanting to spend big. But I do think that you likely won't see them do it this offseason now. Because I think now the immediate number one priority for the New York Mets is to get Lindor's signature on a new contract. Right. I think we saw the same way with 
when the Dodgers went and traded for Mookie Betts. It's exactly the same type of – Or what the Phillies should have done with JT. I was going to say, every team goes and immediately locks up those guys after the big big trades, right? Oh, wait. Oh, wait. Uh, Well, I mean – All the normal teams do it. Yes. Yeah, I mean – I think you see the Mets make another big splash maybe – next off season, but I definitely think that that they're more likely to play on Bauer now than than Springer. Yeah. Right. And but I don't I don't know if they will play on Bauer. I think Bauer's I going to Bauer to LA, the Angels. So yeah. do I. I think that's I I think that'll be a good landing spot for him. But it just sucked to watch the Mets. They gave up Ahmed Rosario like I think Ahmed Rosario was the headliner of that deal. Well, they, they got uh, Andres. Really, I thought uh, I thought uh, Jimenez was. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah I mean, I guess you could say that. But I, they and they got Lindor and Cookie Carrasco yeah. in return. Yeah, I don't know if this was the Indians just trying to cut costs, and the Mets took advantage of a small market team trying to do that, or they just wanted to get rid of Lindor ASAP. But I think they could have gotten a lot more from him. But it just sucks so. that now you have to think when they resign him, it's gonna if they resign him, which they will, it'll be a, a nine, ten year deal. And yeah. we're just gonna have to watch Lindor kill us for years to come. Because it's gonna happen. Every year there's a Phillies killer on the Mets. And I'm pissed off that it's now Francisco Lindor that we have to deal with and not just Jeff McNeil. I, I was going to say, hot take, the, the Philly killer is still going to be Jeff McNeil. Yeah, yeah. I think I can handle Jeff McNeil. When they I can't handle Lindor and McNeil. I think we've seen that a lot from Cleveland, though, recently. Obviously, they got rid of Bauer. They had Brantley. I, I mean, it seems like they're just getting rid of all the pieces that they had. Is Shane Bieber next? Cleve- I think Cleveland so. Notoriously does not like to spend. No. They like to keep costs down all the time. The, I mean, there was already thoughts that Lindor was working his way out of Cleveland for the last couple of years. Yeah. Then we had the pandemic-shortened season, all the teams crying poor. And when all the teams are crying poor, you better believe that Cleveland is going to be right atop those rankings. Cleveland is crying poorest. They're going to be there. like, oh, we get to say we have no money now and it's more acceptable? We're in. See you, Lindor. Yeah, I think we may see Bieber going. I think we may see Jose Ramirez. I think Cleveland, like you said, Jeff, is just one of those teams that just really doesn't like to spend money. If they want to, if they commit to a full-on rebuild, trading Shane Bieber now, I, I can't see his value getting any higher than it is right now. I yeah, don't believe he makes much money at all. He's no, off of – he just had was the best pitcher in the MLB this year. That, yeah. if, if they are – to rebuild and aren't just cutting costs. That's the move they make. I still think they're going to try to compete, I I guess. Yeah, I think they try and compete maybe one more year. But you look at that that AL Central and they're – AL Central is stacked with good teams now. Yeah, there's there's good teams, but there's not like a – there's not a a Dodgers or a Padres or a Yankees. Yeah, but there's a, a Hall of Fame baseball guy, brother. In the AL Central, so you're looking at teams who are kind of the next tier down that you can they 
may see themselves as still being able to kind of compete with as long as they have a Jose Ramirez and a Shane Bieber. I think think ultimately the trade came down to the fact that they just knew they were never going to re-sign when Doran was, what, a year or two left? I think so, yeah. That's ultimately what it was. Right. I mean, it's just – like, I knew it would be hard for the Phillies to get Lindor just because of our our prospect situation. Right. But seeing him go to the Mets is just a kick in the goddamn balls. (laughs) Yeah, I mean – That was the biggest – gut punch news that I've seen in a long time yeah. in baseball. Yeah. And the thing that that I've had nightmares about for months and months now is the notification JT Real Muto signs with insert non-Phillies here. Right. right. And that I was thinking that that's going to I thought like a we bag all thought of that was the nightmare. The yeah, Pitts is and the nightmare. And, well, JT, I still think would be worse because that directly affects us. Right. Um, but the, noticing, knowing now what that, what seeing the notification about when the word of the Mets felt like, yeah, I don't know if I can handle the other one. No, I, I wouldn't be able to handle it either. I think the one um, crazy thing is, is we look at this NL East division now, and it is just beyond stacked. Where do the Phillies look like this year? I'm thinking As of right now, maybe a fourth, maybe a fifth place team because you can't count out the Nationals. They still got Scherzer and Strasburg down there. Well, as of Without, right now, the Phillies don't have JT Real Muto, and we are yeah. solidly. I mean, well, I say solidly. I take solace in the fact of knowing that every year the Mets have a roster that's good on paper. This religiously, they find a way to screw it up. But they got Lindor. Lindor hasn't found a way to religiously the Mets find a way to screw things up. And I'm just hoping that that's what it comes down to again. On I'm paper really praying. right now, we, we are fourth or fifth in, in the division. Yeah. Oh, he's like snugly yeah. fourth or fifth. If the Marlins keep up their head of steam, we are a fifth place team. Which I mean, is, this is like, I don't even want to think about that. I, I think we I, I mean, the, go ahead, Will. I think we look at it now. Obviously, you have Braves probably one. Probably, I guess now we consider Mets two, Marlins three, Phillies four, so Nationals five. I don't even again, know. I, I, I still don't think even the, know if the Phillies I, can claim the fourth place spot in the division because past Nola and Wheeler, who do you look to in that starting rotation? Now, obviously, they've made a couple moves that we'll talk about here in a second about the bullpen, but you still don't know if you have JT. Don't worry. I'm not as worried about the starting rotation as I was because uh, Caleb Cotham is the uh, pitching coach for the Phillies now, and I like him. I think he can bring some life to guys like Spencer Howard and Zach Eflin, so that'll be interesting to see. But let's address this move that the Phillies made for their bullpen and I am going to go on record and say that I am not a fan of the move. Yeah, I'm not the biggest fan of the move. I was a fan of the guy we traded away. The deal was we traded with San Francisco Giants 
We sent away our fourth round selection this year, Carson Ragsdale, in exchange for a reliever with major league experience, not great major league experience, but major league experience nonetheless, Sam Coonrod. So you, Coonrod, you saw him be semi-effective two yeah. years back and this past year be not effective at all. ERA in the nines. Bullpen practice. He was like batting pitch uh, T practice, basically. So maybe that makes him fit right in here. But uh, the way that he doesn't fit in traditionally with what the Phillies have been the last couple of years is he at least does have some traits. He has the big, the the high velocity fastball. Was saying he's he's touching ninety nine. So that's at least. That's something you can build off of. If we truly want to contend, then you need the guys who are ready to pitch now. Right. I still don't like it just for the fact of, uh, I, like you guys, I was a fan of Ragsdale. I was a big fan of Ragsdale. Yeah. Um, Ragsdale was a big guy. Ragsdale could hit, was touching 99. I think he's like close to this. He was like 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six range. Uh, I think Florida, he was taller than that. Maybe 6'7". I feel like. Something around there, but he had a wicked fastball plus breaking stuff. And then, I mean, I, I just wasn't a f- fan of the trade. Um, but I guess we'll have to talk a little bit about Al- Jose Alvarado because of the lost podcast. Um, that there's no two ways about it. Everyone on this podcast is a fan of the Alvarado move. We thought it was one of the smartest moves that yeah. Dave Dombrowski. Uh, could make and probably will make in his tenure here in Philadelphia. Um, it's just the guy who's gassed out of the bullpen, a lefty whose movement is just bordering on unfair. Yeah, uh, 99 miles an hour on a two-seamer does not deserve to move like that. If you really want to see how Jose Alvarado's pitches move, I suggest uh, YouTubing Jose Alvarado pitching ninja uh, and his the, the tunneling he does with his the overlay of his fastball and or his two seamer and his slider it's it's just disgusting yeah he didn't it's have the a closest thing you get to a guessing game in sports is yeah what way is Jose Alvarado's pitch going to break right and it's not a fun game to play no. when you're playing it with potentially 99 or a frisbee slider yeah, which also comes in in the low 90s. Yeah, it's uh, it's crazy. It's, it's not fair when he's at the top of his game. And I the, think Jose Alvarado's fa- slider might be faster than Jamie Moyer's fastball in the 2008 season. Whoa. What do you mean might be? It is. <laughs> and that's not, that's Jamie, not fair. Well, well, I'll put it th- politely. Jamie Moyer's fastball in 2008 was going the speed limit. Barely, but yeah, it, it was. But I think the my what I said about when he's at the top of his game, that's been the key thing for Alvarado the last couple of years. He's had some arm troubles. Yeah, looks to be over them now. And that's the hope is that he he's back healthy and can get back to to being that that highlight reel. Every time he gets in, you're just seeing just absolute nasty movement. Hitters swinging out of their shoes taking pitches that finish right down the middle or something. And really we were, because of the, the, the arm issues in the past, 
we were able to get him for basically nothing. Yeah, he was really cheap. Um, we covered it in the Lost Podcast. Uh, he's under contract till 2024 through arbitration. So the Phillies really don't have to worry about him uh, leaving until that time period's up. Um, he's a guy that you should offer arbitration every year. I mean, if you're going to offer Jose or uh, Hector Naris an arbitration deal, you offer Jose Alvarado uh, an arbitration deal. It's One, just plain simple. I think it was easy a brill- on the Hector slander. <laughs> easy think, there, bud. I think it was a brilliant move by Dombrowski to for get sure. him for that cheap, and then uh, it just it's super helpful. And we were clamoring for a reliever. And he's cheap, maybe a million dollars a year right now. So that frees up space to obviously sign JT and then go out and get, you don't really need a lefty bullpen arm, but you can go and try and get a top of the line, righty bullpen arm, or a couple mid-tier guys. Like, Keone Kell is still available. I would love to bring him in to see what he can do for us. Um, For sure. There's there's Kella, there's... uh... A few guys we've talked about. We've talked about Archie Bradley. We talked about a, a Ken Giles reunion. Yeah, and, and then obviously, like Will just said, Liam Hendricks is still available. Oh well, yeah, that's the, that's more if, if we go top of the budget, which I th- maybe I think we have with, to do with the other improvements in the division. I think with these with these moves though, that we've set ourselves up for one of those top tier bullpen signings. We haven't. Which, spent- that much money on the bullpen this year. We've been, just been trading away some of the prospects. And I think that was one of the keys that obviously our bull, our farm system is still not as strong as uh, not only the rest of the division, but the rest of the league, but we're still getting some major league talent here for some prospects. And I think that was something that now, obviously 2020, the season itself was a bit strange. We got to see some of the prospects, that we didn't think we would see out in the bullpen. And that was nice. But I think this year the Phillies were really trying to upgrade that bullpen. Obviously the trade with Boston, where we got uh, Brandon Workman and Heath Hembray didn't work out for the best. Um, obviously we still have the uh, David Hale trade. They can both walk over hot coals them too. <laughs> but we still have David Hale from the trade that we made with, the Yankees. So I think it's interesting to see how the bullpen this year is going to turn out. I think with the money that Dombrowski has, has saved with these bullpen moves, I think there's still enough money to be thrown around to go out and get a top bullpen arm. Here's a question to be posed. Do you think the Phillies bring back on a one-year deal, maybe to uh, Dave Robertson? I think that there's one a possibility. Year, yeah. I, I think David Robertson almost has a sense. I, I don't know if he has this personally, but I feel like knowing that you signed a two-year deal and you only played, what was it? I think Seven innings, 20, something like right, that. Right. I think there's almost a sense that you go back to that team. Now, maybe he doesn't, but I think I, – I don't think we'd see a large contract. I think it's a, maybe a veteran well, obviously minimum. Obviously not, yeah. Veteran minimum, maybe a little bit more than that. But I That's think why I think he gets a one. He gets yeah, a one-year deal, a one-year. not a not a two, because he's going to sign for a lot less money than his yeah. arm has proved to be worth in the past. His production, I should say, has proved to be worth in the past. Um, 
because he just knows that he he needs to go in and show that he's back to fully health healthy and that he can be effective once again. But I, I, I think it makes it does make sense for him to return to Philadelphia because I I do think he was kind of it it did seem to me like he feels almost like he let everyone down. Right. And would like to make up for the fact that he signed that contract and yeah. barely gave any innings when that was the thing he was supposed to do is just yeah, eat I mean, up innings. The, the last memory I think I remember was when it was bases loaded back down in Washington when he walked in the game-winning run. That's the last memory I have of David Robertson in a Phillies uniform. Our first loss of the season. Right. But I think um, – Obviously, he has his old skipper in Joe Girardi here in Philadelphia. And I think if the Phillies can re-sign David Robertson and we can see the all-star year David Robertson once again, I think it would be an absolute steal for the Phillies bullpen. Yeah, I'm, def- I'm definitely in for that. Now, obviously – we Go ahead, Jeff. We could uh, – I think since we talked about these – the two deals that Dombrowski's made so far, do we want to give out some grades on them? Sure. I I, I almost – The Alvarado grade. The, the Alvarado's an A+. Let's start with the, the – Okay. I was well. going to – Yeah, we could start Alvarado then. A+. Plus. Uh, <laughs> I got to give between, it – I got to give it – I'm going to go A. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think I can give it an A+, plus just because – he had that rough 2020. I think he'll have a bounce back year, but I, I can't give him an A plus fully just yet. I think it's a good trade. I'm excited to see what's going to happen because um, obviously left-handed batters in the NL East are pretty good. Obviously you got Freddie Freeman and we'll talk uh, about the newest left-handed addition here in just a second, but it'll be interesting to see how Joe Girardi uses Jose Alvarado and uh, I think I'll give it an A. Yeah, I have it as an A as well uh, because of the fact that, yeah, Alvarado is incredibly talented, but there are the injury concerns. And I think that's ultimately why Tampa was willing to move him. And while I don't think the cost was super high, we traded another lefty prospect who made it to the majors for a quick second this year. Garrett Clevenger, um, I think he will take a step forward with the Dodgers. Smart organization will probably get a lot out of him. Um, so just for that reason, those two combined things, I think Clevenger's not going to be a nobody. Uh, but Alvarado clearly has the ability to be a lot better than him. For those reasons, that's the only thing keeping me from an A-plus, though, mostly because of the injuries. And right. if we could grade the uh, – you want to start, Antonio, with the, the Coonrod deal? Uh, I'm kind of – I'm stuck between like a C and a C plus there. Uh, I mean, yes, Coonrod had – is a major leaguer, uh, but like we said in 2020, he was just terrible. Yeah. And I was really high on Carson Ragsdale out of, out of the draft, so that's why I leaned more towards a C. Um. See, I'm really shocked now because really? from, from what we discussed earlier, I would have thought that I was going to have a higher grade on the Coonrod deal than you. And my immediate reaction thinking about this is I'm, I'm 
kind of was thinking C minus. Yeah, I mean, I, I the only thing that's saving it, in my opinion, from a C minus is Coonrod had some sort of success in the majors two seasons ago. Yeah, and hopefully we can get that version of him than the 2020 version of him. And if we do that, then it kind of makes it a little better. But um, I think the only thing keeping me from a C minus is the the fact that he did have l- some sort of success in the major leagues, even though we traded away a guy who I was very high on out of the draft. Yeah, and there's no question who of the two in the trade is has a better chance to have an impact in the major leagues this year. That's Coonrod. Mm-hmm. But in terms of having a chance to have a really productive career, it's definitely Ragsdale. So that's, that's why I'm at a C minus. Will? Yeah. I think I'm going to go right and I'm going to go with the C. I think obviously we saw the numbers uh, for Coonrod and they weren't great, but I think, now, obviously, the rule with the three batters now, he got destroyed by left-handed batters. Those, those numbers really went against him when he faced those left-handed batters. When he was facing right-hander batters, they were only hitting 222, I think, is what I saw. I, I think it's a major league arm, and it's something that, granted, it may not be a great major league arm, but I think it's an improvement. I, I love the rookies. Don't get me wrong. It was nice to see some of them up, but I think if the Phillies really want to contend in 2021, they, they need to have more than just rookies in the bullpen. We have to have some sort of major league arms. So I think I'm going to stick with a C on, uh, on Coonrod. This seems like we all kind of feel similar ways overall yeah. about both the trades. The, the Alvarado is a resounding win in our eyes. And while we're not the biggest fans of the the, the Rod, trading away Ragsdale, we can still see that there there could be some positives there. Yeah, we can see potential positives, short term positives, I would say. So let's move up away from the Phillies and back to another division rival um, who has signed one of the guys that we you coined Jeff could be a steal of the offseason. Kyle Schwarber signs a one year. $10 million deal with the Washington Nationals. Uh, what are your guys' immediate reactions to that signing? I I think it's a good signing. Obviously, the Nationals have been busy this offseason. They went out and got Josh Bell from the Pittsburgh Pirates. I think Schwarber's a really good left-handed pop. I think it's something that Washington needs, probably. And obviously they needed it and they thought they needed it if they went out and got Schwarber. And I think we'll probably see him behind Josh Bell. I I think it's almost, I don't want to say it's similar to what the Phillies have with uh, Reese, Bryce, and JT, but it'll be interesting to see how Schwarber comes into play with the Nationals. Well, don't you dare tell me the Washington Nationals need any more lefty pop. You know who they have, Will? You know oh, who they have? Oh. His name is Juan Soto. He's got enough lefty pop to carry a whole team. They oh, don't now they got another lefty one. pop. Um, and I mean, it's we, good to we, have multiple. We <laughs> talked about we talked about Schwarber. I mean, he did bat 190 
this season. Um, but you look at his on base percentage and his OPS, and then you look at the previous seasons. That's really not Kyle Schwarber, but um, it'll be interesting to see because, yeah, the Nationals are kind of building something down there. Um, I, I don't really know where he plays every day, if he plays every day, if he's more of a platoon guy. Um, it'll be that would It would have made really, like, a perfect sense if the, the NLDH was a thing yeah. and the, yeah. the Washington Nationals signed him on that deal. But, uh, I mean... I'm just hoping that it doesn't come back to bite the Phillies in the behind again. Well, they did lose Adam Eaton, so they lost an outfielder. Yeah. So I think for the most part, he'll slot into left field pretty much every day. I believe they still have Michael Taylor, right? Yeah. I can see uh, Taylor coming in off the bench as a defensive replacement late in games. Uh, Maybe a little platoon going on there. Because um, obviously Schwarber, as much left-handed power that he has, he's equally as bad defensively. Oh, he's as good as bat power-wise. Terrible on defense. Chuck, yes. terrible. Yeah, but I mean they're looking at a, a. Good news is, is they have well, good news for Nationals, not for us, is they have um, Victor Robles yeah. center to kind of maybe shade a little bit more towards left, give him a little help. Um, but overall, a good move for the Nationals. You're starting to yeah, see them realize move. yeah, that they're, they're realizing again that the, the way that they were winning before was lineup depth, something they kind of lacked last season where it was only Juan Soto and he was out. It was really nobody. They were relying mainly on pitching. Um, and that's – you saw them win the World Series with pitching and the, the, the two-headed monster of Rendon and Soto. Yeah. So while it's, it's hard to go out and just get a Rendon, they kind of found some, uh, some bargain bin guys almost that have higher upside that – at least can provide some type of uh, threat behind or around Juan Soto. Um, yeah, I mean, the, it's just the, the Phillies need to kind of step it up. Um, but, yeah, I think, like you are saying, Jeff, it is smart to be a bargain, like a bargain bin guy. And I, I think – I would have liked to see the Phillies sign someone like Kyle Schwarber, but they didn't. Um, and oh, But the, the last thing that I really want to talk about this podcast is something, a pervading thought that I have been seeing throughout social media. And I've been interacting with people about it. I've seen far too many people on Phillies Twitter and other networks the talk Phillies, Reddit, Facebook, the whole the whole lot, saying that Kyle Schwarber, or not Kyle Schwarber, Chris Bryant is overrated, and they wouldn't want the Phillies to go after them. And I almost fell out of my chair the first time I read it. Chris Bryant hasn't been as great the last couple years as obviously he started out being, but there's 
there's still no question that Chris Bryant is a star in this league. And if we have the opportunity to get Chris Bryant, get him a fresh look. Yeah, I mean, he did win an MVP. Exactly. So, I mean, Chris Bryant in a lineup with Bryce Harper and hopefully the best catcher in baseball. And Alec Boom and Reese Hoskins and hopefully some other pieces. I think it could be dangerous. And I think – so a lot of the people were talking about, oh, where do we – we have Alec Boom. We don't need Chris Bryant. Now, I think a lot of – the thing a lot of people don't realize about Alec Boom is that he's not going to be a third – a career third baseman. He's just too tall to play third base. I mean, in baseball, kind of, it's like crazy to say someone's too tall. Um, but Alec Boom is more of the the stature of a first baseman. He's big, wide shoulders, tall, has a good frame to block the ball from getting past him. He's not a third, a prototypical third baseman who's a little bit shorter, quicker to the ground, big arm. Uh, Chris Bryant is more that, um, and just having having Chris Bryant would make the Phillies so much better. And I, I I wish I could just scream at the people who say he's overrated because he the dude won an MVP. I don't I, I never saw any well I mean I, we did see it from some fans, but not Phillies fans calling Bryce Harper overrated when we were going to sign him. The only the the top players get called overrated. If, if Chris Bryant was just some dude, no one would be saying he's overrated. It's only the top guys that get called overrated. And I just need my fellow Phillies fans to realize that Chris Bryant can only serve to help our franchise, not hurt us. What's that saying? They don't boo nobodies? Yeah, no. They don't boo me. Like, if I'm getting up to the, the plate, they're not booing me. They're going to boo someone that they know. So, yeah. The Phillies will have an opportunity to go after Chris Bryant, and Dave Dombrowski should aggressively pursue that option. Definitely. I think that's going to be a a common theme on this podcast from now until the time that Chris Bryant is on his next team. And hopefully that next team is the Phillies. Uh, So that's really all we have to discuss for this week. Uh, it's been another episode of the Shoot and the Shift podcast. Will hopefully we don't lose this recording, and we'll be uploading this week. So we thank you guys for listening in. Thank you guys for hanging out with us, and we will see you next week for another episode. Tuttles.